My name is Jake Jackson. Um, I, I'm a truck driver at UPS, uh, family guy, got three kids and a wife. Um, been ultra running for, I'd say, God, about eight years now. Started running marathons about 11 years ago. So I've got a, a pretty good uh, base under me. And uh, yeah, just kind of got into uh, doing ultras after being burned out running so many road marathons. Uh, yeah, so just kind of rolled with it. It's interesting you mentioned burnout because, like, I'm really curious <laughs> as, to, <laughs> as to that. Because uh, why don't you um, just give a quick little background of like why we're chatting today and what you did this summer? Yeah, so um, not too long after I ran Desert Solstice last year, I didn't have a the race I was hoping for, and I thought a lot of it had to do with my mental strength during some of these longer races. So. Uh, coming into 2023, um, I kind of had a big chunk of time, basically the whole summer where I didn't really have anything major planned. Um, I had secured a pretty good, uh, spot for making the 24 hour, uh, us team this year. So I wanted to have a little bit of fun and I wanted to basically push myself out of what I had been doing, uh, with, racing where I would build for one specific race and hope all went well and then start over again, building for another race and kind of putting a little, a little bit too much pressure, I think on myself for that one individual race. So, um, when we started out the year, I had a couple races that I did have in mind, um, hundred milers that I had done in the past and wanted to revisit and have a little bit of fun. I was also, my wife and I were looking for a race that I could possibly get my Western States qualifier in, in the process. So that kind of fed into what turned out to be me running five races of a hundred mile distance over five consecutive months. And to make it even harder, I thought, well, let's see if we can do this in a certain amount of time. So I settled on trying to run all 500 mile races in under 85 hours. And that was kind of the the bones of how all of this came together. And it was just basically trying to figure out what races to pick. And, you know, there's a lot that goes into running that many races over five months, cost and time and work and family. And so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty rowdy, man. Like that's just, it seems like a lot of running. And it's funny that you mentioned like, getting burned out on marathons and then here you are running 500s in a few months yeah. like that. that's kind of just funny to me it's weird how uh ultra running compared to marathon you know marathons usually uh time-based you're trying to get the most out of those 26.2 miles every single time where ultras you know there's a big you know variation in how the day is going to play out and how fast you're going to run on that day so time sometimes gets thrown out the window. I mean, if you're feeling good and you can push it at the end, then that's when the time starts like being really important, but yeah. Definitely. So let's kind of like jump into like the 500s. And so like, how did you pick those five and like, yeah, let's just talk about that for a second. All right. Um, I can't remember the exact order that I had signed up for each one of them. I want to say uh, nanny goat, which would ended up being the third hundred miler. That one I do every year. It's close by our house about half an hour drive. And I've done the 24 hour there a couple times. So that one was definitely going to be on the calendar. That one's held in May. Um, and I mentioned looking for a Western States qualifier. So we ended up settling on uh, burning river 100, 
which was just this past weekend. Um, I was going to do the hundred miler and my wife, Missy was going to do the 50. So that one kind of got set in stone fairly early. Um, let's see. What were the other ones? Let's see. March. I picked a race that was also close by our house. A lot of the, the first three were all really local and they were easy to get to easy to crew. Um, all, all three of them were looped races. So it'd be fairly easy. I didn't have a need to have a crew or any of that stuff. So the third one, actually, no, I'm sorry. Getting ahead of myself. So the first race in March was called run for kids. It was a race, uh, in Corona, not too far from my house. It raised money for the hundred mile club for the kids all across the U S where, uh, basically during the school year, the kids at the elementary and uh, middle schools would try to run hundred miles throughout the entire year. Great program. It's been around for, I think this was the 25th year or maybe even longer, but so that one ended up getting put on the calendar in March, which left April and June open. Uh, the April spot, there was another race that I'd been wanting to do, Beyond Limits Ultra, which is another close local race. Uh, Ken uh, Rubelli and his wife put that on. I've known Ken for a long time. He was the former owner of Jackpot Ultras, which I had done several times. Um, so that one got slotted into the April. And then I thought I was done. I was just going to do those four. But then after talking with my wife, uh, I was like, man, that June spot, I, I really wish I could find something in there to like really round this out and uh, came across cool moon 100. Um, I'd met the race director at another race for there. And yeah, that was ended up being the five. So just decided to make the whole challenge and the, the way it came up with the 85 hours it basically breaks down to uh 17 hours for each one of the hundreds to finish in the first three i knew were going to be significantly faster because they were flat looped courses so i could bank a little bit of time and the last two had were more trail mountainous races so yeah yeah no, that's that's super interesting so then you did the 500s in around 87 hours total, right? Well, it was 83. So I 83. did, I did complete the 85 challenge. So, <laughs> okay. And yeah. then I doubt you have the numbers, but like, I imagine that's a lot of traveling, even though like some of those races were close, still a lot of like logistical challenge and stuff. But like, this is, it seems pretty fun to kind of yeah. figure that out. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, when you think about five, 100 milers, you think, oh my gosh, you got to pay for airfare and hotel rooms and all that stuff. Literally the first three, were close enough to where I was basically driving from home. The first race, the run for kids race actually was a 7 PM start time. So I drove to the school that day, ran the race and then drove home from there. Uh, the second one at beyond limits, uh, they had cabins that we could stay in. So my son and I drove out there the night before ran the race and then drove home. And then the third one, nanny goat, like I said, was a half an hour drive. So that logistic stuff played a lot into picking which ones, you know, that I did. Yeah. And I guess thinking about that, like, um, I know you're not coached by, by Reagan anymore. I mean, we're going to talk about that here in a second, but like yeah. I did a show with him earlier this year and we were just talking about like how much fun local events are like, yeah. Traveling, like everyone's at UTMB right now. And like, it's cool to see that whatever, but it's like local events are so fun. Cause like you can probably sleep in your bed you don't have to take time off work for the most part. You don't spend all this money and you can still have a really great experience at a local event. And like, there's nothing wrong with that. 
Yeah. I mean, besides Burning River, I knew the race directors and most of the people who would be running those races because they'd been at all the other races that I'd been doing too, either doing the hundred mile or maybe something a shorter distance. So it was, it was like a big family reunion every single month. It's cool. Yeah. And like, and like you were saying before we started recording, um, like Reagan used to be your coach, Patrick Reagan, and then you guys like you didn't have any problems, but like, he's not coaching you currently, but like right. you definitely used him as some sort of like advice for this. Like what, what were his thoughts on this? Cause everyone knows him as like this hundred mile guy is obviously very consistent and solid and, and yeah. So like, what were his thoughts and what kind of feedback did he give you? Yeah. I mean, when I first approached him with the idea, I mean, this idea wasn't, it was definitely uh, something physically that I was trying to, you know, get through. It was also the mental side. Um, I felt after I left desert solstice last year that my mental game was just not up to par to what it used to be in the past. And I, I don't know if that was because of, um, me not racing as frequently as I was before I started getting coached with Pat, you know, Pat and I had worked together for two years, had a great relationship. He was a, you know, mentor of mine. We would chat back and forth about him doing 24 hour races and me running faster hundred mile races. So it was just like a joint. It was, it wasn't so much about him coaching me. Yes. He would program my workouts every day, but it was also, he was learning a little bit for me too. So I, it was, you know, it was awesome working with him. So w- when I came to him with this idea, he had been, he's been going through a little bit of a, a, a low patch in his running too, just recently coming out of it with some of his racing. So he understood my situation where he was kind of burned out on doing the same races all the time. Um, the expectations of, you know, that build for one specific race and then it not going as well as you wanted it to. He was like really on board, which I was kind of surprised. And he's just like, dude, if you get through all five of those uh, without having any problems, you're going to be so much stronger afterwards. So he was a big proponent of me actually going through all this. So it was really cool. And we would touch base after every single race, just to chit chat. And, you know, I would tell him little things that I picked up on and that was cool. Yeah. I guess that is interesting thinking of the dynamic between like a coach slash friend too, is like, right. Like coaches are also always learning the same thing as their athletes are. And like, just because you're a coach doesn't mean you know everything. And, and like, maybe you're learning from your athlete doing this event or that event and then vice versa. And like, it's a super cool way to look at it. And I guess he's a humble dude and he's very smart. So it's cool. He's able to like, I guess, learn from you while you learn from him too. Right. Yeah. He he's always been a big proponent with training any of his athletes that if it's not fun, then why, why are you even doing it? You know, if the, if the workouts you're not having fun doing the workouts, we'll change them. We'll get something that spices things up. Cause I don't think he, I don't think he coaches maybe a couple people that are actually professional runners. So we're all just doing it for fun anyways. And I think that's what keeps, you know, the love of wanting to get up on those early mornings when you don't want to get up and run and you just go out and do it. You know, it's that love for, you know, doing it because you want to, not because you have to. Yeah, definitely. And I think also too, like, I don't know, like, it's not always going to be fun necessarily. Like some days are just going to be like, oh, this is a oh, slide yeah. to do it. But <laughs> in the end though, it's always kind of fun, right? Like oh, no matter yeah. what. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, how did you deal with the, I don't know, not one, not getting burned out. I know you mentioned it previously, like the difference between marathons and hundreds, but like, that's still a lot of running over those months. And then a lot of racing as well. Like, did that kind of fatigue you at all mentally or were you okay with it? Um, yeah, there was definitely times when, especially the the days after a race where, you know, you you get that feeling like you want to run, but you know that you probably shouldn't. 
Um, I think that was probably the biggest thing for me. Just keeping the stoke, you know, I, I think a lot of people sign up for races just to have that carrot at the end, you know, and that that's what this whole thing was kind of about. I wasn't running each race a hundred percent. And I knew that going into them, I knew that I had to be able to finish the race, recover and get back to the next one as quickly as I could. So I think just staying motivated during those times when you really didn't want to, you just had to keep your, your eyes on the prize and, you know, just, there was a lot of times where, you know, I was going out and riding my bike just to get away from being on my feet. Not so much that I couldn't run, but I just knew that I needed something different. I spent a lot of time going to the gym and just getting on the stair climber and, or the elliptical, you know, just for active recovery, but also just taking a break from the running altogether. So, yeah, I just think mixing it up during those times when you just really didn't want to go out for a run was which I hadn't done in the past. Usually I would just pound the pavement, get on the trails, run as much as I could. So it was nice, like doing something different this time. Definitely. I think as runners, and I was just talking to my girlfriend about this the other day that like, we always get kind of like roped up in because we love running, right? So it's like, I want to go run. I want to go, or if you're a trail runner, it's like, I want to go run trails, but it's like, no, the track is super important. The gym is super important. Yeah. Cross train is important, like both for like the physicality of it, but then also just for the mental break too. Like, like running on a track can be fun if you're just running vert all the time or vice versa or something. Right. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's weird this day and age where we have access to, you know, Strava and you could see what everybody else is doing and you fall on that comparison trap where, and this guy's running this many hundred milers and this many hundred mile weeks and he's just killing it. And, you know, it looks, it looks great from afar, but you don't really know what that person's going through to get through that. Or, you know, some of the, you know, the everyday family stuff that, you know, you have responsibilities towards. And that was a big part of doing this too. I didn't want to neglect my duties as a husband and a father. You know, I have a job that takes me away from them just as much as running does. So that was a big, important part too. So. Yeah. yeah how, how did you find that balance? Cause like, I think anyone that follows you on Instagram knows that you, when you just said it to you drive for UPS, so you're, you're sitting a lot. So one, how does that impact your recovery? Then how do you manage like a job where you're away from your family, but then running as well? Yeah, it's been something that's been in the works for several years. Um, you know, I have a, I have basically a two hour window in the morning. I'll get up at usually four 30 in the morning. Everybody's still asleep and get my, you know, two hours, whatever that is running, going to the gym. And then I have to be home by seven to get started getting ready for work. And so I'd see the family for a little bit before I'd leave. And then it would be off to work. And yes, sitting in a, in a tractor driving around, it, it definitely took its toll. You know, I was, there was a lot of times where I would just be getting out and just standing outside my truck, just, you know, to get the blood flowing again. Cause yeah, some the worst days were the Mondays after the races where you have to go back to work and you're just like, Oh my gosh, my legs are killing me. I don't want to get up. And once you, once you sit down for a while, it, everything locks up. So yeah, there was, I mean, I'm not sitting, I don't do like the long haul kind of drives. So usually the longest I'm sitting is maybe 20 minutes, 30 minutes. So it's not too bad. And you think a truck driver, oh, they just sit on their ass and drive around all day, but I'm unhooking the trailers and closing doors and having to crank up the trailer. So it's still pretty much, it's still physical. I, I'm not going to say I'm just not doing anything all day. So it's not too bad. 
<laughs> okay, that makes more sense. I think it's kind of an active recovery job to a right. sense. Right. Yeah, sense. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, when I was in doing the package car driving and running all, you know, all these miles, that was when it was really bad because I was just putting, I was just on my feet basically all day long. And it was, I would just come home and just lay on the ground and not like wanting to get up. It was horrible. <laughs> No, it's interesting thinking about that because guys like like Jesse Haynes, for example, like he does construction, so he's right. outside like all day. And I'm like, how do you put in mileage and recover appropriately? Because like people that work like say you have a standing desk or an office job, like yeah, there's pros and cons I guess to every type of job. Yeah. But like when you're outside being physical for eight to ten hours a day in the sun, then you go do a two or three hour run. It's like, geez, that's a lot of <laughs> physical activity every day. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, uh, there was a bunch of things I learned just with the recovery techniques in between each one of the races. I started doing sauna a lot more. I was doing that at least a couple of times a week. And then, you know, as we got into the hotter summer months, I was, you know, had a typical heat training protocol going, you know, three to four times, you know, during the week. And then on the weekends doing a lot of, uh, like, um, hot immersion in the baths and then getting, I actually bought a, a hundred gallon, uh, feeder tub to put water in and ice. So I was doing that on top of the saunas, which I think helped quite a bit. And I had never done anything like that. So yeah, just stretching. I started stretching a whole lot more during all five of these. So, that, you know, it's just stuff that everybody kind of knows you should do, but doesn't do because it's not sexy. I just started doing it and noticed that I was recovering quite a bit faster. So yeah, let's talk about like the heat and the cold exposure because probably because I'm super fascinated by it and I've been into it recently. Like not that I'm like doing it consistently right now, but just like learning about it and mm -hmm. like how, I don't know, like, I guess, why did you start doing that? Cause you hear a lot about, you get on YouTube and you just search for recovery or whatever. And it's like, it always pops up and like cold therapy stuff is really like, it's really trendy right now. But like, why did you start doing that? And what were the differences you've noticed? I think the, the thing that got me into it at, at first um, was just the mental side of doing it not so much what it was going to do for my body. I mean, I, yes, there are tons of reports and studies about how it's, uh, helps longevity, all of those things. But for me, you know, I was trying to figure out ways to make me mentally stronger and sitting in a 180 degree sauna for 30 minutes and then getting out and taking a freezing cold shower at the gym. That's not fun, you know, and you do that enough. You actually, I actually started to enjoy it. Um, getting into the, the ice tub with the ice that sucks, dude. It's like, it is not fun at all. Um, but I think just not, not only benefiting me mentally, I just noticed that I was, my muscles were a lot less tight, sore. Um, I was able to get back to running a lot quicker. My, my joints, especially my knees after hundred milers usually are pretty banged up. Um, I don't know if that's just my form or what, but I noticed my knees weren't hurting nearly as much doing those things. So I'm, I'm not a big, I don't know all the numbers. I don't know all the science. I just know what worked for me and I just kept doing it. So yeah. And one experiment, I guess. Yeah. Well, maybe we can do uh, N equals two because I, I raced, <laughs> I raced a week ago up in Ketchum in Idaho and it was only a 30 K. It's not like I went out and ran hundred miles or anything, but like uh, we were going to go shower at the YMCA after the race. Cause like 
I got to clean up whatever. And then it was closed by the time we got over there. So I just like took a river bath. Oh yeah. Sat, sat there for a while in the river and it was freezing because I'm up in Northern Idaho and it's snow mountain stuff. But then like right. the next day, like I was able to go run. I was like, oh, I feel actually really good today. And <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it's just because of like, there's only a 30 K I didn't run that hard or maybe the cold factor has something to do with it. But either way though, like I hate the cold, but I'm a fan of cold exposure. If that makes sense. I don't do it enough, but <laughs> right. Yeah, I know it's it's gotten into where it's just too hot right now to even buy bags and bags of ice that I haven't really been doing it much lately. So, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because like, I don't know, even the opposite of cold, I guess, is the heat exposure because like there are a ton of data about like how beneficial that can be and like cycling through it can just really, um, it just builds up like endurance and everything. It's good for your heart and blood flow and everything. But it's interesting thinking how, how you live in Southern California and you're still doing like sauna sessions where like, when it's like 110 degrees, it's like, dang, it's a lot of heat. <laughs> yeah. It, well, I mean, when I'm running in the morning, it's still dark. So it's not, it hasn't reached the peak heat and I can't go run in the middle of the day. Like most people would usually do. So, I mean, there were definitely times in the past, this past month when I was trying to get, uh, kind of used to the humidity where I would be driving with no AC on and just getting, getting a little bit uncomfortable. You know, I don't, I'm not, sitting in my cab just drenched in sweat but yeah just just those little things just trying to adapt just a little bit more every day that reminds me of uh kyle pietari years ago and um he ran states quite a few years in a row and he was telling me that he would drive from denver to to auburn with no ac so they drove oh, on i-80 <laughs> all the way across like nevada in 110 degrees and i'm like yeah, that might've been good for you, but like, what about your family? Like your, yeah. kids, your wife are in there just sweating <laughs> for no reason. <laughs> yeah. I know some of the, the hot, uh, immersion baths that I was doing, I'd get out and I just could not stop sweating. I'd be like sitting at the table, eating my breakfast in the morning, just like drinking coffee and just like, Oh my God, this is terrible right now. <laughs> yeah. You have the external heat and then you also are drinking hot coffee. So right. it's probably <laughs> just jacking your body temperature up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's funny. Like what other things did you do? Cause like, as far as like nutritional and like sleep and stuff, because I'm assuming you're pretty tired and probably pretty hungry, right? Yeah, it, it was crazy. I was definitely taking a lot more like naps on my breaks at work. You know, I get a little pillow and just, I, it was, I'm always been a pretty good sleeper. Like my wife hates me that I'm able to just turn over basically and, and sleeps as, as well as I do. Um, yeah. Nutrition wise. I did pick up something that um, your your friend uh, Jeff Browning had been talking about for a while about um, the two days after a race going pretty low carb, and I had never done that before. I, uh, I'm like most people where it's like, hey, I just finished 100 miles. Let's go get some pizza, some beers, and you know, enjoy, celebrate. And I started that first race uh, in March and went super low carb for the first two or three days. And I think that pretty much solved my, um, my ankles would get really swollen, like really bad, like where you couldn't even see my ankle bone most times. And the next day after the race, um, I don't know if that had anything to do with what I was eating. I'm assuming it does, but there was literally no ankle swelling at all. Uh, like I mentioned earlier with my knees, the pain would almost not even be there. And I was able to get back to running that much faster. So, you know, I, I wasn't like strict, like carnivore, uh, you know, I'd have a couple of the races. I had, uh, two double doubles, uh, protein style, you know, after the races, my kind of like celebration dinner, 
but I just stayed away from alcohol those first couple of days, stayed away from all the grains. And it's something I'm definitely going to keep doing after all of my races. It's, you know, it's, it's not fun. Like just a lot of those things you want to go and celebrate, have a beer with your bros afterwards or whatever family. But if you can just hold off, like Jeff says, if you just hold off for a couple of days, you can have your celebration dinner two days later and be a lot better, you know, for doing that. Oh, that's super cool. That worked out for you. Cause I think a lot of people were kind of like, well, why would I want to do that? Like I want to go drink or I want to have a pizza. Cause it does sound good afterwards, right? Like oh, yeah. pizza oh, or <laughs> bread or something, but like, once you see the benefits, you're like, oh yeah, it is worth it to do it for a couple of days. Yeah. So that was one big thing. I think, uh, see if there was any other nutritional things. I try to be really strict with what I was eating during my races too. Um, I'm a spring athlete, so I was sticking to try, trying to stick a lot more with their products and not eat so much of the cookies and junk at the aid stations. And I think that that did me pretty well. Um, nutrition wise. Yeah. I, I can't really think of too many other things, but yeah, the two days after the race thing, I think was the biggest key that I took away from it. Yeah. It, it sounds like that worked really well for you, which is super cool to hear that. It's not just him or whatever. He's like, he's not an anomaly. Like it does work for yeah. other people as well. Right. Yeah. I imagine too, like it just, taking spring most of the time versus like just sugar gels probably played a, a part in it as well. Cause like, you're not going to have as much inflammation if you're having like a natural source of a food versus like whatever sugar <laughs> essentially. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there was definitely times at the end of races where I was, you know, getting tired of the gels and, you know, I'd brought maybe a pack of donuts and I was just going off donuts and Coke just to get through the end. But, you know, for the most 75% of all the races, I was relying mostly on spring stuff. So it worked out really well. And I guess then thinking of that, like, did your normal diet change much, um, during those few months of, of running those hundreds or did it stay pretty much how you normally eat? And then yeah, what is that? I would say it was pretty normal. Um, you know, I, I've gone through a phase back in 2018, I was strict keto and then got in the OFM and all of that. And I would say my body does better with more protein over the carbs. Um, but we have a family and I'm, oh, I don't, I'm, since I'm have such a short period of time when I'm at home during the week, I'm not going to be all strict with what I have leftovers. You know, I'll eat spaghetti on, you know, a day or, you know, it, I think the, the one benefit is from going through all the keto stuff is, you know, I know now at least what's in food. Like I would, I'm way more cognizant of what is put in the food that we're eating. So there's definitely, you know, the little voice on my shoulder telling me, Hey, dude, you don't need to eat that. Eat something that's a little bit more healthy, which is good. And, you know, like I was saying before, I'm not getting paid to run. Uh, it's not my livelihood. So I do want to enjoy life. I do want to enjoy food. I do want to enjoy beer or whatever here, here and there. As long as you take it in moderation, I think that's, you know, it's fine. Yeah. My, my, I was definitely eating more of course, cause I was running more, uh, but I didn't change any, anything major with my diet. Yeah. I think balance is pretty key with that sort of thing. Like, for example, I met my, my brother's, um, my brother's wife's mother <laughs> the other day. And like, she's really into making cinnamon rolls and stuff. It's not something that I'd normally eat, just like a standard cinnamon roll. But I'm like, you know what? Like, this is a family thing. I'm going to have yeah. a cinnamon roll that she made for me and was like very nice about it. And like, you know, what? it's not the end of the world to have one cinnamon roll. Like, yeah, maybe I would have felt better if I didn't eat it, 
yeah but at the same time it's like where's that balancer of like like family time plus your like personal life and stuff and then running and whatever it's like it's not the end of the world to have a cinnamon roll i guess right and i mean you, the thing is you realized after you had it this was the thing that made me feel this way yeah most people i don't think put two and two together with diet they just eat it oh man i feel crappy oh well i'll just keep going with my life the way i've been doing it we kind of know because you know we run we have to get up the next day like the the days where i would celebrate and have a few beers my sleep would be terrible i'd get up the next day and i'd just be tired and i'd be like well that's because you drank last night you have to pay the piper for what you did the day before so <laughs> No, that's totally true. And I think like as, as runners, even like a recreational runner or a professional runner or whatever, or cyclist or whatever you're doing, like you become a lot more in tune with your body. And so if you're on like yeah. a, a fairly strict diet, like you're saying, like with keto, for example, then like, say you have like a bunch of bread or pasta, like you're going to realize like, oh yeah, I feel bad. Or if I had a bunch of candy or something like, whereas like people that eat that stuff normally have this baseline of feeling like garbage. So right. they don't realize like how much better they can feel once they like kind of cut that stuff out. Yeah. And it doesn't take much. I mean, you don't have to do a total 180 with your diet to feel just a little bit better, you know? Yeah, definitely. And I think that's something that I think a lot of people like stress out about. And I think like stress is just a huge problem too. Like if you're stressing out about everything you're eating, that might actually be worse for you than say eating some sugar or some grains right. or something. Like, Yeah. That was one of the things that like drove me away from sticking with being strict keto or, you know, counting all of my macros. It was just, it, it was starting to affect me big time, you know, just with my everyday life and the stress just wasn't worth it. Yeah, exactly. And I don't know, it's interesting how we're kind of like that as humans, but I don't know. That said though, like, I do feel like there is like an optimal diet for most people anyways, but right. it's also like, let's find like the balance here and then, um, yeah, live our lives too. <laughs> yeah. And the trick is just figuring out what works for you and not saying, well, it worked for him. So it should work for me too. I think people get hung up on that too much. Yeah, definitely. It's, I don't know how much you want to talk about this, but like, I think it's interesting. Like you look at nutritional stuff online and everyone gets like really like tribal about it and crazy. And it's like, well, maybe we should go back to the base. Like what, what do we all agree upon? It's like eating real food versus like hyper-processed junk. Like let's start right. there. Like we can all agree on that probably that like real food's better for you than I don't know, something out of a package that Nabisco came up with or something. Right. Yeah. It, it's, you know, it's set up the whole food system is set up for us to fail the way I see it. Like, cheaper, you know, the, the, the worst food for you is the cheapest. And, you know, when you don't have a whole lot of money and you got a family, you just got to do what you got to do. But yeah. Yeah. I definitely agree with that. And like, I think buying the best food you can afford is what we should all be doing. And it's like, right. yeah, don't, don't be mad that you're bought the cheap ground beef versus grass fed, grass finished $30 pound ground beef at whole foods or something like the $4 pound at Walmart's probably a lot better for you um, right. in general. Yeah. And if you want a cookie every once in a while, have it. <laughs> yeah. And enjoy yeah. it and then move on. Like don't stress right. about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like, I don't know, like, um, what about like supplementation? Like, what did you do as far as that goes? Anything specific that you do or do you just kind of not care too much about um that? let's see i started taking creatine uh i started doing that about three months ago i think and from what i understand it's supposed to keep more water in your system um i always thought it was something that bodybuilders used but i i personally don't know if it's helped or hindered me um i started uh being paying a lot more attention to what i was drinking uh, during the races, hydrating with electrolytes and stuff. So I don't know if it's a combination of uh, the two of them that 
helped me during the races. I, I never had any cramps. Um, I had issues in the past of, uh, just getting that dead leg feeling at the end of races where you just didn't feel like you had enough in you to keep going. Um, during over the course of the five races, I, I didn't have any issues like that. So yeah. Uh, other supplements, let's see. Uh, started taking vitamin D a lot more, the daily thing. Um, I think a lot of that came from just what we learned from COVID, how most people are vitamin D deficient. And the fact that I was not running during the daytime hours, getting full sun exposure. I think that helped some, uh, other than that. Yeah. I don't, yeah. Didn't take anything else really extra. That's interesting to hear. Cause I think at least myself, um, I, I feel like I see a lot of runners get obsessed with taking supplements versus putting in the time or eating real food. But like, mm -hmm. as far as like bang for your buck though, like creatine super cheap. Like we just bought some the other, like yesterday it was 30 bucks for a hundred servings. Like right. it's 33 cents a serving for something that's like probably the most tested supplement out there. And it's like yeah. super safe and, and it works. And then vitamin D is also very cheap too. And if we're not outside getting sunlight and we're not getting in our food either, most of us aren't like, that's a, another great supplement to get. Right. Yeah. It's just it, the creatine, you know, it's, it doesn't take much of it either. It's a yeah. little teeny tiny scoop and it, yeah, covers everything you need for the whole day. So yeah. Yeah. And it really doesn't taste like anything. Like all these like unflavored no. supplements, they're like, oh, it doesn't taste like anything. I'm like, yeah, it does. Like it definitely yeah. changes the taste. It's creatine that <laughs> like, doesn't. It's like it's pretty yeah. bland. <laughs> right. You stick it in anything. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So what did you learn from all this then? Like you did those the five hundreds in eighty three hours, right? Eighty three hours, yeah. Yeah. So like what did you learn from all that running? Yeah, I think the you know, the typical, you know cliche oh we're stronger than we think we are we can get through things um yeah i mean i had never done anything quite so ambitious i had always done the typical you know build up for a race um i think well one thing i learned definitely is in between each one of the races some of them were as short as two weeks between races and this uh last one it was six weeks is that i was able to get back to running faster faster than I thought I did. And I don't know if that was just because of some of the recovery techniques I started using or, um, just kind of forcing myself to be more proactive and, and, and moving after the races. Uh, I know a lot of people had sent me messages like, how are you able to run, you know, 10 miles a week after you just ran a hundred, you know, a hundred miles, how are you able to go back to work the next day? And I think, you know, for me, if it's not an option, like going back to work, that's not an option. I, I don't have sick days and the vacation built up to be able to do that. I just had to do it. And sometimes you just got to push yourself out of your, your comfort zones and just go out there and move when you really don't want to. Now, you know, if you have mechanical issues, you're, you know, sore in joints, if it's just a muscle soreness, you can get out and walk. You can get out and get a little shuffle in or a little jog, even if it's a couple miles. And I think that speeds up recovery way faster than doing anything else. Just, just moving your muscles. So that was one thing I definitely learned. Um, let's see what else I think maybe I, I had a bad, uh, I, I tend to compare myself to other people sometimes. And 
knowing that I was going to be doing these five, you know, there's, there was a stretch there where there was a couple guys that were doing them a hundred miles every single weekend for a year. And I would say, man, that must be nice to be able to go out and do that. But now looking back, like, I don't, I don't think I'd want to do something that ambitious. Like <laughs> it takes so much time from all other aspects of your life to be able to run this much. Like I didn't finish this thinking I just, I'm going to keep doing it the next month and the next month. Like I, I was ready to be done with this. I enjoy having the, the downtime in between big races. Um, I love racing. Don't get me wrong. That's it's the best feeling in the world to be able to line up and run a hundred miles and finish it and do something that's so hard that you never even thought to do. And to do it five times in a row like that. Um, yeah, I just, I was just really proud of myself for being able to get through all that. And I think mentally, um, I'm going to be able to use a lot of those experiences because I'm going to, they're going to be in my mind fresher than having a big period in between like going into worlds, uh, at the end uh, December for 24 hours, I'm going to be able to pull from each one of these races, something, some hard part that I had to get through. And every single one of them had a hard section, you know, they always do, but they're just going to be a lot more fresh in my mind. So when I'm doing those stupid loops around and around in Taiwan, I'm going to be like, you've been here before this sucks. You can get through it though. So, yeah. Yeah. I think there is a lot of value in, and maybe not necessarily running like 500s that close to each other, but just racing a lot in general, like you learn or you can use them as learning experiences every time. And it's not like you're going to go run hundred miles and not learn something new or yeah. like even like a shorter race, like a half marathon. You can learn a lot of things about, about yourself and racing in general. And personally, like it, I don't know, keeps nerves away from me. If I race more, if I don't race for like four or five, six months or something to line up and I'm like, Holy cow, like I'm kind of, kind of nervous right now for like right. no reason. Like, why am I nervous? But yeah, yeah it was funny. At least by the, the second, third one, it, it almost felt like, Oh man, I, I'm doing this again. Like it's, it's crazy to say that it's no big deal to run a hundred miles, but you actually get used to it. And you're just, you know what to expect, you know, pretty much when things are going to not start feeling very good and the highs and lows that you just, you roll through them a lot faster. Yeah. It's kind of like the consistency is key thing with training, but like even to a higher level with racing, <laughs> doing 500 miles, essentially, it's like, it just probably just feels like a normal day. Yeah. And I mean, if you're, if you have a specific time goal, like you're building for one specific race, I don't think doing something like this is probably your, your best bet. I mean, like I said, I wasn't going hundred percent in any of these races. I always had it in the back of my mind that I just wanted to finish. But I also had that time goal of 85 hours of you can't slack off. You know, you're going to have to push when you don't really want to. Sure, I could have just, you know, mailed it in each each and every one of them. But I, you know, it was hard. The first three, well, really the first four, I didn't have anybody. I literally led all of those races. So I didn't have anybody pushing me. It was all up in my mind to keep myself moving, which in some ways I think is harder than when you have somebody pushing you because you could basically stop and slow down or walk whenever you wanted to, if you don't have somebody pushing you. So yeah, that was definitely one thing I learned too, is just, you don't need the competition to push yourself, I guess. Yeah, definitely. I think that's, that's super important to, to recognize. Um, yeah. So like, what kind of like tips would you give to people that want to do something like this? Cause I think we all have like, 
I don't know. We all have like little things that inspire us, right? Like maybe like myself, like, I don't know if I'd want to do what you just did. But then again, there's things that, that are inspiring to me that you're probably just like, that's dumb. Like, I'd never want to do that. <laughs> so we all have different things that we like to yeah. do for whatever reason, like who knows why. But like, what kind of tips would you give to somebody that wants to plan something like this? I don't know. Dream big. Just just go for it. Just send it. Uh, you know, like if you, if it's not your job, who who's going to stop you? Like, it doesn't really matter. You know, I during the fourth race, um, at cool moon, I had, I had been sick, uh, leading up to it. I had a pretty bad head cold, drove out to cool California, sipping on uh day quill all the way out there just to keep my, you know, the cough and the snot from coming out of my face and started the race, got about halfway in and I just felt terrible. I wanted to stop. And I said, well, if I stop, like the, the, the challenge is over, like, you got to finish it no matter what, even if you walk, I think just setting, setting those goals like that, uh, just something to keep you motivated. I mean, everybody talks about the why and finishing all five races. That was my why every single race. Like I couldn't just stop because the whole, the whole dream would be over, you know, everything you'd been working for, everything that you signed up for all these races would be done. And how would you feel about yourself after that? So, you know, it's, it's great to be inspired by other people, but I think it's more important to be inspired by something you want to do yourself, make yourself, you know, inspirational to yourself, basically do something that inspires you. Doesn't, doesn't matter if you finish it, but you just give it your all. And yeah. No, I think that's really good advice. Like, like really like what is inspiring to you? Cause like what's inspiring to me is different than for you or say, yeah. Jim Walmsley or Courtney or somebody it's like they have different goals and we all have different goals and like that's awesome it's kind of like the beauty of humanity right that we're all right. different we're not all the same yeah it's great to pull motivation from other people but like I was saying earlier like I fell in that trap a lot of the times where I was comparing myself like oh I'm not good enough to do something like that and this was like one of the first times where I said well let's just see if you are you know let's go out and do something crazy you may not finish it but you're going to give it your all and it turned out well in the end. So. Yeah. And I think that's important too. Like, I don't know, like I haven't really been on Strava. Like every time I race, I get on Strava, just upload my race and then I get off it again because I do start comparing myself to people. And I'm like, Oh, well, like, I don't know. So-and-so ran this pace for a marathon. Like I can never do that. So I suck at running. It's like, yeah, they're, <laughs> they're a professional athlete. That's all they do is run. They've been running since they were eight or something. And like, I started in college, like it's just, it's right. simply to compare yourself with other people doing different things at different phases in life. And it's like, like you have a full-time job and a family. And like a lot of these people don't have a job or a family besides running. And yeah, so it's just important, I think, to like be, be realistic about things and also just have fun. Right. Yeah. I don't, I, I would say the one big thing, if you have a family, I would say don't, don't make doing some, some big challenge, like, like the end of the world, if you don't finish it, like there are, there are other things that are way more important than running, you know, UPS and the Teamsters are going through a contract strike right now. And that's been way more heavy on my mind than anything. I almost didn't even go out to burning river because we were supposed to come back, we might've been on strike. Luckily, you know, they kind of figured things out for the time being, but you know, that was heavy on my mind. Uh, before going out to cool moon, my dad had passed away the week before. And that, you know, I didn't 
necessarily want to go out there and run, but I also took it as an opportunity to say, well, I'm going to go out there and run hundred miles and think about my dad the entire time. He's going to be my motivation to get through this. So you just, you take those little life experiences, I think, and use those as inspiration to get you through the tough times, you know, any, anything in life. Yeah, definitely. And I guess thinking about that too, like, um, I guess I haven't spoken to you about it or DM'd you or anything, but like I saw that you started running with your son, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. was able to come out, uh, nanny goat, the third, uh, third race. Yeah. He came out and ran his first, uh, ultra. He ran 30, 31 miles, uh, during that day. And he came out and paced me for one of the races and crewed for me. So yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's just cool to, you know, be a part of the, the running community and then have your family join you. And my wife, you know, we went out to burning river and had a great time. She didn't have the, the race that she was hoping for, but we still had a great time. So yeah. Yeah. It's super cool. You can make something that could come across as like selfish or solo or isolating or something and involve your family and like actually have a better family experience or a better family bonding time because of running instead of just like, I'm going to go run hundred miles by myself. Screw you guys or something. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, as we kind of wrap up here then, man, what do you have coming up next? Um, um I guess the biggest, the biggest dream coming up next is running for team USA out in uh, Taipei, Taiwan, uh, race is, uh, December 1st. So yeah, I don't really, I have a 50 K next month, but there's a possibility, a possibility of me doing maybe an FKT somewhere, uh, as a training run, but yeah, it's all basically building up for worlds later on this year. So, cool, and awesome. I would say, uh, next year I I'm hundred, if I don't get into Western States, I am hundred percent doing Coca-Dona. I just, after doing these five races and then watching all the live coverage, I'm like, I just got to do it. That's that. I think that race alone scares me more than doing the five at this point. <laughs> <laughs> well, for as much as I want to see you run States, I'd be stoked to see you run because yeah. <laughs> it's a friggin' fun race. It's cool. <laughs> yeah. So well, yeah. nice, man. Let's wrap, wrap up then. Um, so we can get on with our, our Sunday. Um, but where can people find you? And, and yeah. Uh, I'm mostly on Instagram at ultra Jake Jackson. Um, yeah, that's, I'm on Facebook too, but I don't, I try not to get on there too much. It's just like the social media thing. I can only handle one, one account right now as it is. So yeah. And I'm on Strava too under Jake Jackson. So awesome, man. Well, cool. Thanks for taking the time to talk about that. It was super fun. It was interesting to hear how you use like nutrition and some other um, stuff for recovery. It's really cool. Yeah. Thanks Derek. It's a uh, good catching up with you. It's been yeah, a while. You- Yeah, man, it's been too long. Yeah. Hey, we'll talk soon. All right, bud. Thanks. Hey, we'll see you.